Hello and welcome to the Under Centre podcast. I'm your host, Aramar, and I am joined by two of the newest members of the newly formed Daft Punk, Daft Punkers, Fionn Malloy and Jake Woolhead. Guys, how are we this week? Yeah, not too bad. Same as last week, still missing football, but, you know, we'll make do until the draft. Yeah, it's a distant memory now. I don't even remember what a football looks like, to be honest with you. <laughs> is it round? <laughs> yes, it is round. It's round. No, and it has, it like... looks like a foot. Ah, of course, of course. That's why they named it that. Uh, we have another packed show this week. We'll be talking about the Carson Wentz trade to the Colts and continuing our off-season series. This week, we'll be examining the Steelers and Vikings' needs. Uh, we're currently joined by Steelers fan Freddie Dawson, and we'll be later joined by John uh, Arico, who is a Vikings fan. But Freddie, how are you? Yeah, you know, pretty good, hanging in there. Uh, my kid caught the wrong virus this week, so I've had that to deal with. He's got the chicken oh. pox COVID. Don't know oh, how. Wow. How is he? Yeah, well, you know, a kid with chicken pox, you can imagine, isn't overly happy. Yeah. He's stuffing them with McDonald's. Keep him happy that way. <laughs> how do you solve the chicken pox? Chicken nuggets. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, before we actually get into the news, though, um, if you are watching us on YouTube, please, if you can, like and subscribe to the Dynamo Podcast Network. It will really help us out. There. That is where you will find this podcast each and every week, as long as well as so many other great podcasts like the Upper Tier, if you are the round football type of fan. Uh, also, there is the Creeping South Paw for you boxing and MMA fans as well. Also, while you're at it, go and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash under center pod and of course we're on instagram twitter and tiktok at under center pod uh, all the info is at the top and bottom of the video for you there too in case you don't catch it uh, we're going to start the new section off with carson wentz and his trade to the indianapolis colts was confirmed over the weekend for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick now the condition is that will turn into a first round pick if he plays over 75 percent of the team's snaps in the season so i it is obvious guys the Colts are going to pull him in the final game so he only gets 74 he's back with his favorite coach frank reich the one who got the most out of him during his time in philadelphia but uh Fiona, i'm going to start with you do you think uh just teaming back up for Frank Reich is going to be enough for Carson Wentz to recapture his form. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to tell. There's some really great players who don't need good coaches around them. There's some really uh, great coaches who bring the best out players. I don't think it's going to hurt Wentz a lot going back to the, the coach that got the most out of him, especially the struggles he's had in the last couple of seasons. It might just even psychologically give him a little bounce back. I don't think it's going to be a problem either way for the Colts. I've had a look at the deal and I think it's quite friendly for the Colts team. Uh, they're only on the hook for about $24 million a year over the next two years. And that drops Carson Wentz down from significantly high on that salary per year quarterback list, way, way down the list, kind of to Alex Smith levels. And I think that's a good price to have to pay for Wentz. If he turns out to play as well as he did, a couple of years ago, ago under Frank Reich. That's excellent. If not, you dump him after two years. He's got you through this turbulent quarterback time we've mentioned on the show before. Plus, he comes pretty cheap and he doesn't come with much salary or any salary hit after those two years are up. So I think it's a conservative, but also very smart play for the Colts. 
And I think it is a good landing spot for Carson Wentz that gives him all of the opportunities he could ever ask for to redeem himself. Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Fionn. Um, my number one point was, has Carson Wentz got the skills to pay the bills? And if the Colts aren't on that big of an issue, or big of a, like holding his, his bag of contract money, say, um, it's not that big of an issue for them to carry him for the two years. If he, if he just turns out to be like a journeyman quarterback until they find the next one, it wasn't that big of a price to pay. And then again, on the, on the flip side, if he does play that well and he earns 75% of the snaps, he probably got a bargain for, for a quarterback who we had seen previously had an almost MVP, MVP caliber year. So it's not the worst thing in the world. And the conditional, like that was a really good deal for the Colts. I believe they had, um, he, I can't remember the GM's name. He had uh, put um, a, a date or an expiry on the trade talk. So it kind of might have forced the Eagles into trading them away. Um, so I don't know. But I think certainly I think he's going to do a lot better because, I mean, if you look at the Colts roster and the Eagles roster and you don't really have to look that far to see which one's a better quality roster, um, it's definitely trending upwards for Carson Wentz and it'd be a quarterback I'm excited to see now because I can kind of like him now that he's not in the NFC East um, I'm sure you can agree with me feeling we did enjoy his poor quarterback play at the NFC East also absolutely he gave us uh, one less thing to worry about in that division <laughs> where everything was pretty tight and you know he did deliver my favorite collapse of the season that happened to benefit my Washington football team the very first game of the season a triumphant comeback to start the season for us. So that was kind of nice. Yeah, Freddie, what did you think of the uh, Carson Wentz trade? Do you think uh, it's uh, Colts are a good landing spot? Yeah, I mean, it was down to the Colts or the Bears. And clearly, you know, for Wentz, it's much better for him to end up with Frank Wright uh, in Indianapolis than, you know, in uh, the rather strange QB situation in, in Chicago, which, uh, you know, doesn't even look like it might continue beyond this year. Like you know, Matt Nagy's on a pretty short leash from um, everything that we hear. Uh, he's pretty much in win now mode. Frank Reich has kind of proven himself in Indianapolis, you know, last couple of years before Philip Rivers, you know, it was definitely what they felt they needed was um, the, the quarterback position for, I mean, for me looking at it from the other side, from the Eagles perspective, you know, it's kind of, kind of an interesting trade as well. I mean, as, uh, as you're saying, you know, uh, they put that trade deadline in place because the Eagles clearly felt like there was some sort of mismatch there. They felt like they should be entitled to a bit more. Um, and everyone in kind of me, you know, kind of looked back and wondered, well, what exactly were they hoping to get? You know, um, I think maybe they were looking at the Rams trade for Stafford and thinking, oh, well, you know, Stafford can command that. Maybe Wentz being a lot younger should command significantly more in terms of first round picks but like really looking at that trade they're more in the Rams position they went with golf in this situation like uh, he had that horrendous contract hanging around his neck he's not you know proved himself consistency for the last few years frankly since he had his ear your knee blown out against the uh, Rams in that 2017 season there um, he never really came back and properly looked again like 2018, there was a lot of talk about the team kind of falling apart around him and he kind of carrying it on his back a bit. But really, I mean, he was injured off times that season. He never really regained that 2017 MVP form ever again. So, 
you know, the Eagles kind of got what they could from them, and now they've got what they could for them kind of thing. Um, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the answer. Uh, the Eagles are in a mess. Um, you know, Jake, you're right. Like, uh, they're not in a great situation. Wentz is probably better off being a Hulk than, a, than an Eagle in the upcoming year. But looking to the future, that probably is going to end up being a first-round pick unless Wentz's injury history bites again. So maybe the Eagles come out of this okay. I suppose it depends who they get to replace him. Not specifically to replace him, but who they get for those picks that they got for him. The amount they originally had traded up to get Wentz was pretty high, wasn't it? Yeah, there's definitely some cost fallacy, isn't there? I think. Yeah. yeah. What they're going for. One other thing I noticed that happened was when he, he joined the Colts, he called Michael Pittman Jr. up and he said, listen, I know you play with number 11. Uh, can we swap? And Michael Pittman said, no way in hell. Because I'm the legend of the Wentz, game and I deserve my number. Who does yeah. Wentz think he is? He's not Tom Brady coming into this team. Well, now we know that former uh, number one cult, uh, Pat McAfee, is now campaigning for Ka- Carson Wentz to take his number one jersey from now on so uh, we'll see what happens there I think it's interesting though and this is going to coincide with probably my first hot take of the offseason um, and it's going to be that like I do think that Frank Reich is going to help uh, the uh, revival you could say of Carson Wentz but I think the fact that he's going to be playing with a much better O-line is going to be the main reason uh, I I I bet I, this is where my hot take is. I uh, will bet you within the first, let's say, five weeks of the season, the media narrative will be Carson Wentz has recaptured his 2017 form and the Eagles were sold a duck. <laughs> I, I can see. And then the actual Carson Wentz will come back after probably week five or something like that. He will get sacked a couple of times because the O-line will stop these many sacks and fumbles that he had last year. Uh, I think it's 50, it was a 17 interceptions as well in total too. Um, the accuracy though needs to improve. He only had a 57% accuracy last year with the Eagles. But as you said, Freddie, as well, it's going to be interesting. It's it, This is a really important year for Wentz. He's got out of Philadelphia. He's not with the Eagles anymore. So we are going to find out because he has all the tools there in Indianapolis to win now. So it's going to be interesting for him is we will find out if it was the Eagles that ruined Wentz or was it Wentz that ruined the Eagles. And so if Wentz, like, I think it's strange and I'll pass it to you guys to, to let you know, to let me know what you think. But what will be a success for Carson Wentz in his first, maybe his own year, we don't know, but we'll just say his first year with the Colts because, like, they they made the playoffs this uh, this season, last season, I should say. So, what what do you think? What what is the what would be seen as a good season for Wentz and the Colts? And Jake, I'll start with you on that. Yeah, I definitely think you want to get to that nine and seven, or well, it will be nine and eight this season, wouldn't it? Or, or ten and seven um, game. And definitely, I'd be looking for a playoff push as well. Like, you, you'd happily pay that first round conditional 
if you got to the playoffs, I think with Wentz and he kind of looked like he was he's he's going well. But Freddie, you brought up a great point: is he has an injury history. So whoever put that seventy five percent snaps into that contract or the the trade clause, but that was a very good uh, very good one to put in. But I would definitely be looking for uh, a playoff push if he starts over seventy five percent of the snaps. Yeah, I think I agree with Jake. I think maybe there's two parts to this question. I think there's what the Colts consider a good year for Carson Wentz and there's what Carson Wentz considers a good year for him. Colts for sure will look to uh, make the playoffs or at least be in that conversation. Like you said, Jake May, nine and seven, somewhere where you're in the show. The ball doesn't always break your way in the NFL. Of course, you want to win so many games, but I don't think they're going to run away with the the division they're in or anything like that so i think in the playoffs or very very close to knockdown on the final week will be good i think Wentz personally will take a year of just him being the starter without any controversy without anyone really complaining about how he's playing i don't think he'll feel that's a bit presumptuous that's a little bit presumptuous that no one's going to complain about how he's playing well, somebody is going to complain. <laughs> American football, there's a million eyes on you, or hundreds of millions of eyes on you. But I think if he can make it through without the third-round quarterback that the Colts draft in this year's draft <laughs> being mentioned in the tabloids as maybe it's time to give him a shout-out and a, and a few reps in practice, I think he'd be happy with that. Just a solid year where he gets his numbers back to, I don't think he's going to make it back to the MVP season. But if he is in and around the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, stats-wise, I think he'd be happy enough. Freddie, what do yeah. you think? Oh, sorry. I thought he'd be ecstatic with a top 10 finish. I mean, like anywhere in the top 16, really, any you know, in the top half of the league would be great for him, frankly, coming back from where he was. Yeah, but and like that, will that be good enough though for the Colts? Because we've seen, we've heard this since the move is the Colts are in win now mode. And like the Colts were just, you know, a few plays away from actually beating the Bills and actually going to the divisional round with an aging Phillip Rivers. Now I know there's some concern over wide receivers in, in the Colts because there's a lot of free agents. I know we talked about Michael Pittman. I think he's the only one there who's actually still under contract. T.Y. Hilton's out of contract. Zach Pascal's out of contract as well. So, you know, are we? I know I said the media narrative will be he's recaptured his form, but is there also a risk of a media narrative? Well, not a media narrative, but of other people saying he's at another team that hasn't got weapons. So we'll never know the true extent of Carson Wentz abilities. I don't know. I think don't they have a young running back, and then they've got that Michael Pittman who showed flashes last year. So they've got they can... three good running backs. They've got Marlon Mack. That's if he stays. Now he is a free agent. Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, and uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, there's some good. Like, if you can build off a running game and have if you have at least one number one wide receiver, maybe that's what they target in in this year's draft. So, I mean, there's definitely something there it's not a weak team by all means it's definitely better than throwing to whoever uh, the eagles had picked up off the side of the road outside the stadium like it's, it's not that much uh, not hard to look into the Colts and say that's a better team yeah for sure and they did okay with with philip rivers personally i thought he, he had a quite a good year but i know a lot of people disagree with me on that they didn't feel like he was a, a good quarterback or a good fit for that Colts offense so right out the gate Wentz offers a little bit more 
dynamic ability, a bit more youth and a bit more uh, gunslinging mentality, shall we say, that maybe got him in trouble in the Eagles. But like you mentioned, Dara, with a better offensive line and a much better defense, he's going to be able to play from on front a little bit more than he did last season. So that might help in terms of his timing and being able to keep the ball in his hand as long as he would like it to be there. Right. Okay. That that's grand. We'll move on from there, and we'll obviously. I, I think we are going to revisit this Carson Wentz and the Colts uh, subject probably a little more as the season goes on too. But we will move on, and we're going to continue our series of looking at all thirty-two sides and their needs this off season. If you missed last week's show, we talked about the Browns and we talked about the Bears. So go and check that out if you want to hear uh, what our, ourselves and our guests have to say about what those two teams are going to need to do. Um, after the break, we're going to talk about the Vikings, but we are now going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And of course, Steelers, Fran, Freddie is still here with us. So Freddie, first of all, I want you to tell me your views on this past season. And I want to t- you to tell me in two parts. The 11-0 part, how did you feel that went? And I'm sure we all know the answer to that. But w- I want to know how you felt about the sort of, quote-unquote, collapse in the second half of the year, which obviously uh, culminated in a surprise loss to the Cleveland Browns in the wild card. Well, yeah, I mean, first like no quote unquote about it. It was a complete collapse. Like that was a pretty disastrous end to the season, but uh, starting with the start of the season there, the 11 and 0, I mean, obviously it was significantly uplifting. Personally, I was a bit surprised that, uh, I mean, once we got up to 11 and 0, obviously it was there, but like, um, I think from, I think the Steelers had never started even three and 0 before, I think it was, which was vaguely surprising uh, that they'd never managed to string three games together at the beginning of the season. I mean, traditionally, they have been a slow starting team. They always, you know, take their time to figure a few things out in September, October, only really get things going through November and December. Uh, And they also have that well-known Mike Tomlin reputation for absolutely flummoxing themselves when it comes to a bad road, a bad team on the road. So, you know, there's been multiple unfold examples of this. The Jacksonville Jaguars often tend to sneak up on the Steelers and, kick them when they're not looking. The Oakland Raiders used to be, well, sorry, now it's the Las Vegas Raiders. They used to be pretty good for a, an early season, unexpected loss, things like that. So through those first 11 games, one of the key things was it seemed like the Steelers had managed to, to kick that little bug. Like they went, they won a decently hard game in Dallas. You know, it was a very beat up Dallas side, but it was a Dallas side. I mean, they were starting a guy who they, you know, picked up off the, airport runway there panhandling but uh nonetheless it was a, a decent team Zeke was coming back in that defense was still strong uh, the Steelers struggled and everyone was like oh here we go you know this is it uh typical Steelers but they managed to find a way to come around and win that um and things like that and you know for what it's worth a lot of people said that they were the worst 11-0 team um to go 11-0 and uh and I think that's a, a little bit harsh uh they did play some quality opposition. You know, they, they absolutely uh, pants the Browns early on. And I mean, the Browns were obviously a decent enough team as it came very obvious later in the season. They they beat the Ravens twice. Admittedly, one of those times was, you know, with uh, once again, someone panhandling on the side of the road coming in to play quarterback for them. But they did beat Lamar Jackson playing proper Lamar Jackson football. 
they, you know, they took out, they took down the Titans in a very thrilling game. They had their their fair share of hard games. It wasn't the hardest schedule in the world, but to say that they're the worst team they ever go 11-0, I think was a bit harsh. So, yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was obviously great through that. It was particularly brilliant for me being, you know, in lockdown for 11 weeks, having the Steelers win. Definitely gave you a little boost when you had to kick back on the laptop on Monday. Um, always a little bit of a pressing thing on in the best of times when uh, when they lose in the regular times. So that was all good. And then you get to you get to the Washington football team there in week twelve. And um, I know Ben Roethlisberger said multiple times he's been asked time and time again about it, but he's continuously said that he never had any injuries and he was perfectly fine that day. I mean, frankly, I hope the guy's lying because if it's true that that's how he played for the rest of the season, completely injury-free, then you know the Steelers are in even more trouble than we thought, um, which you know we didn't think that they're in serious trouble this upcoming season. It's pretty, uh, pretty spectacularly diluted. A little bit too much of the Ramadi's uh, brand Kool-Aid there. So Washington came up, snuck him up, snuck up, kind of that same thing again, the uh, bad road team bug. Uh, so we thought, oh, okay, well, okay, fine. They had to lose sometime. You know, things can be turned around still. There's no need to pass. Still looking for potentially a second seed, you know. Actually, I think actually at that point they're still they're tied with the Chiefs, and I think still in the in the lead on tiebreaker. Uh, so like they still had the first seed technically theirs to lose, which of course they went on did. That Bengals game was one of the more depressing games I think I've ever watched. Uh, you could pretty much tell from fairly early on that the Bengals just wanted that a lot more than the Steelers. Um, once again, I can't even remember the name of the guy who they had playing quarterback for them at this point, but he properly played lights out. The, the run pass option offense that he ran that week was um, just excellent, and I have no idea why the Steelers were so bad at uh, defending it. Uh, I know Dupree wasn't there blocking down the one side, and Alex Highsmith, the very promising rookie who's replacing him, did very rookie things and over-pursued a lot, but like they just hit that run pass option time and time again and just gashed the Steelers down the field. And from there, you just thought, oh, this is, this is it. Uh, the Steelers have some serious issues. This is not potentially going to end well. And so it turned out, I mean, you can go back and say, well, maybe they should have played their starters in that, well, they only rested like four guys, but maybe they should have let Ben play part of the game against the Browns, you know, knock the Browns out, knock down a Rival kept that streak of not making playoffs going because if they lost that, they'd have been out. And then the Steelers would have had a different opponent for that final game. But uh, that's all clear with hindsight. In the time, I thought it was a very good decision to rest Roethlisberger. He didn't look right. Uh, his knee, I think, was bothering him. That didn't you know, affect his head. He was making some pretty terrible decisions. But in some ways, it may have. I don't think he trusted his knee. He definitely was very stiff and immobile in the pocket he went down easy and uh, freddie sorry can i just interrupt you there on that when you say uh, about uh big ben was big ben's pro like i know you said he he had a knee injury i know he claimed he didn't but was the lack of a run game a big factor in that as well because you're making a 30 
eight-year-old quarterback throw the ball 50 times a game and, and unable to establish any sort of run game? Yeah, I mean, it was in a way the Steelers the Steelers couldn't get any of the passing game going that would have countered the lack of a run game. So they, for whatever reason, they could do their quick passing offense, but they, they couldn't hit anything deep, which would have, you know, at least alleviated some of that pressure, you know, made the safeties back up and caused a bit more space, which if you can't do the run game is the next best thing you can do in terms of clearing out that sort of middle of the field where they were sort of making their money. And they couldn't hit any sort of screens or anything like that, which would be the other, you know, obvious alternative to um, a run game. So, yes, the run game definitely didn't help. James Conner and uh, Sneeds, uh, Sneeds, no, sorry, Schnell's um, inability to uh, get anything going was definitely putting everything on Roethlisberger. But I think that you can't, lay all their offensive woes on the lack of a run game. Okay. Freddie, Freddie, in the future, obviously, Roethlisberger, we mentioned, is 38. He's had that injury. He had a bad injury, I believe. Was it last season or the season before that that put him out for pretty much the whole extent of the season? What do you think is the situation looking like in respect to quarterbacks and the Pittsburgh Steelers? Is that something you're very nervous about, or do you believe they'll address that this season and try and get in the draft and try and get Roethlisberger kind of through a season, maybe one more season as a kind of a mentor and then go from there? Or is it something you're really concerned about is where this replacement for Roethlisberger, because even if he does play brilliant next season, he is 38. So he's not going to last four or five more years. There's going to have to start looking for a, a replacement at some point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anybody who isn't concerned about the Steelers quarterback situation is, you know, probably a Browns fan. Like uh, there's just there's no way that the Steelers are going into this season thinking, yeah, we're all right. Um, Dwayne Haskins on a futures contract. Pretty good gamble, you know, um, a la kind of like the Colts trade. You know, there's there's little downside to that. Maybe he'll turn out to be good. I don't think anyone should be banking on him being able to turn around whatever his woes were in Washington and suddenly turn into that first round pick uh, potential that he had just, a, you know, what, two short years ago, was it? Mm -hmm. um, in terms of Roethlisberger himself, I mean, he has to come back for the Steelers next year, really. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't. I know that they haven't sat down and had their contract discussion. And apparently, uh, according to the Twitter rumors, he's getting a little bit annoyed that the Steelers front office hasn't at least sat down and sort of reassured him and sort of started generally chatting about how they could um, work his salary numbers. Apparently, the idea is he's on the hook for, uh, I can't remember what the number is now, but basically, it's on 37, I think it is. 37, is it? I think it's 37 next year. Yeah, yeah. 40. That was what I had in my head. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you sign him for a few voidable years and then, you know, and then his salary number comes right down this year, creates a bit of cap room. Allegedly the Steelers are waiting to hear what the, the salary cap total will be before they offer that to him. But, um, in terms of Roethlisberger himself, you know, he, he should hopefully come back next year, maybe, uh, with that surgically repaired elbow, you know, he hit like basically the same thing as a rookie wall. You know, he got to that game 12 and he suddenly went, oh crap, my, uh, my elbows really starting to bother me. Once again, he claims that that wasn't the case and his elbow was perfectly fine. 
but there was clearly something also off with his deep balls. I personally thought it was his knee with planting right. Uh, but, you know, I'm not an NFL quarterback, so that's what was that. Well, it's it's actually interesting because he, he does have that sort of old school football player mentality where, you know, you, you if you get knocked down, don't look act like you're hurt because then they know they have you. And with, with Roethlisberger, obviously, he's saying, like, I'm not hurt, even though he might be hurt because they know if he is hurt, then they can target if it is the elbow or if it wasn't, he, we, we don't know. And I, I, can I throw this scenario at you this this way then, then Freddie? Because I know you said that Big Ben does have to come back, but there is like that with the cap hit, and we have to see what happens. You know, you 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 say you take him back. So if you take him back, and then you take a, a the cap hit with that, which means that you might not be able to um get in players to help improve the teams in other areas that probably that might need it. Or would you sacrifice Big Ben, let him go, improve the other areas that you need to, and go for a season with Mason Rudolph? I mean, I think, frankly, we've seen what Mason Rudolph can offer, and I don't think it's particularly uh, a great brand. I wouldn't be buying it. Like, I can't see Mason Rudolph improving significantly with you know another off-season of seasoning behind him. Um, he came on in that Dallas game there that I mentioned earlier on, and he looked positively like a deer in the headlights. Like he was very, very lucky that Dallas didn't get a pick that would put that game away. He looked all right against the Browns in that last game. He didn't look all right in any game. He Derek. looked he's all crap, right man. in that we Browns game. He's crap. He did. We, we all he know he's crap. All... Look, he has a dent in his head from where the helmet left. <laughs> Freddie, Freddie, like alongside with Dara's question, like, if you were to let Ben walk, do you see any scenario where there's a, a trade for a quarterback, like maybe Sam Darnold or something? Now that would be very interesting, wouldn't it? And I do think that that's a possibility, uh, much more so now than I would have said even three or four years ago. You know, I, I always thought the Steelers were very draft pit value franchise they they really put a premium on their own draft picks and getting their own guys but i think i think that's been a sort of developing trend across the nfl where the the value of a draft draft pick has one of a better word almost diminished like you see a lot more of these multiple first round pick deals going through across the nfl and of course the steelers have they did draft or sorry trade for minka fitzpatrick just uh two years ago and gave up their first round pick. So I do think that that's a distinct possibility. I mean, they've done other deals for, you know, lesser guys, um, for lesser draft picks, uh, Vance McDonald, Avery Williamson, um, the the list goes on. Uh, I can't think of everyone right off the top of my head. So a guy like Sam Darnold, who's coming out of a mess of a Jets franchise that I would not be surprised at all if they want to, you know, they could do some new thing on the block out for a spin and use their high draft pick on and get another quarterback. Um, personally, I would think that's a pretty bad decision for the Jets, but it could prove quite useful to a team like the Steelers. You might be able to get Donald Darnold for something even, well, certainly less than the Wentz deal, which we were just saying is not bad at all for the Colts. So why not take a gamble? Like you're not going to draft a better quarterback if you're the Steelers in this year's draft that Donald would be for you. With yeah. 
little bit of coaching. Yeah, definitely. And coming out to a, like a Mike Tomlin-led team with uh, some semblance of a run game and a couple of good receivers there in, um, in Juju and um, I can't remember the other guys. Jake, uh, Claypool and uh, Claypool, Washington. Yeah, yeah so you've yeah. got good, good offensive players there. So getting a guy like Sam Darnold in and, and maybe having them uh, compete compete with Mason Rudolph for the starting job, because uh, I don't think anybody but Dara wants to see Mason Rudolph play another <laughs> snap of the NFL. Um, but we'll get Mason on next week and we'll see what, what he's up with. Jake, it's all about playing devil's advocate. And I'm doing it well because I seem to have maybe triggered you a little bit. So yeah, no, it's I'm, working. I'm here now. Oh, definitely did. But uh, let's look uh, at the off season a little more and uh, let's have a look at the free agency coming up because the Steelers have a lot of difficult decisions to make in this offseason, not just with Big Ben. A few notable free agents, and, and this list is long here, guys. So just hold on a sec. Uh, Bud Dupree, Avery Williamson. Um, Alejandro Villanueva, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Hilton, James Conner. I'm going to stop there because I can go on forever, but we only have a certain amount of time for the show today. The franchise tag period has just started. Is there any player in that list that I just named or anyone in the free agents uh, that list that are going this year that you would tag, Freddie? And then also... Is there any other players that you have that you are a must resign, like in your head? So for me, the guy that you really want to ideally, you know, in a theoretic world franchise tag is Bud Dupree. I'd really like him to be back. But the thing is, you've already franchised, you know, he's, his franchise number is going to go up. He's coming off knee surgery. That's a big risk. And the Steelers simply aren't going to have Catherine to do that. So maybe you look at franchising someone like Cameron Sutton or Mike Hilton, who are, to me, given the fact that the Steelers are almost certainly not going to be able to sign Bud Dupree, they're the two free agents that are the priorities for the Steelers. Uh, Mike Hilton is that joker for that defense. Like, he really makes things tick in a different way. And Cam Sutton is far and away the best defensive back that the Steelers have drafted in quite a long time, which is why they need for someone like Nick Fitzpatrick. For whatever reason, it's been a little bit of an Achilles heel drafting defensive backs for them over the last uh, half a decade at least. So, Pam Sutton could easily become the guy who can step up and replace Joe Hayden. Um, maybe next year, maybe the year after that, Joe Hayden's getting a little bit up there. I think uh, I think he's a free agent next year, so it's probably the kind of key dropping off point where the Steelers are part ways with him. So those two guys, you know, if you could get both of them back, which is a possibility because nickelbacks aren't valued as well as they should be, but Cam Sutton may not want to take nickelback money knowing full well that he could be a starter for the Steelers or for another team at the outside and the one outside corner money, which in that case, the Steelers aren't going to be able to afford it. Outside that, I don't necessarily – I think the rest of the free agents – are nice and be great if they came back, but there's replacement players that you can step up there for all of them. I mean, the other big one that everyone talks about is Juju, and of course it'd be lovely to have Juju back, but I just I don't see that happening. I don't see the Steelers being able to match someone with deep pockets coming in off of this month. Though if they did, you know, that Sam Darnold, Juju Smith-Suster, USC connection would be quite a tasty talking point. It's just whether or not they can top that TikTok money that he's getting. 
<laughs> I think his TikTok contract might have dropped after his last uh, fiasco <laughs> on the Jaguars. Was it the Jaguars? Was it not the Bengals? Bills won down very well, I remember. It was ridiculous anyway what it was. Yeah, well, look, that's end and like I said, there is a lot of questions. And I think with the Juju thing, especially, I know um he is a sort he is a favorite definitely in Pittsburgh. It's not the end of the world. Myself, I believe that if he does move on, you've got we've seen this season, you've got some really good wide receivers out there with Claypool. Um it Dante Johnson is really good too. Like I said, Washington as well. So and the Steelers just have this knack of finding this diamond in the rough, like in the fifth or sixth round wide receiver, who is just uh, going to light up the league. So we'll see. So maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if Juju goes. And look, it'd be interesting to see where he'd end up. Um, I don't know if he would like to stay maybe in the AFC or the NFC. There is a few markets out there. He hell, he could join Wentz with the Colts if he wants, you know, and that, that'd be pretty interesting to see um, Wentz miss uh, constant deep balls to Juju anyway. But sure, look, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, coming up to the draft as well, Freddie, is there any sort of position groups in, in general that you'd like the Steelers to look at in the draft this year? I mean, I don't think there's anything that's out of sort of the window at this point. Um, the really big position of need right now for the Steelers as they stand is center with Marquise Pouncey retiring. Um, the only other guy they have on center was the was undrafted out Alabama. I think his name's Hassenhauer. He, he came in for a few games for Pouncey uh, last season and He's a perfectly capable backup, but he is exceedingly limited. Um, you wouldn't want him starting all 16 games. With if you're trying to get Roethlisberger back, you convince him that you know give him one more go to ride out the sunset and glory there. So I think center they're going to have to address very early in the draft. That's going to be round one or round two. They may. The only thing is they should avoid reaching for deep. Apparently, it's a deep draft, particularly for uh, linemen. Uh, so. You know, maybe they'll get someone um, worthwhile. They, other than that, are also obviously at some point going to get a wide receiver because they seem to, you know, pick one up every every year. Um, and they potentially could use a new tackle depending on if they think one of their two right guys, Zach Banner, coming back off his knee surgery, or Chuck Silver for filled in Avery for Zach Banner um, at right tackle this season can swing over to the left. Uh, this is under the assumption that Villanueva doesn't, you know, uh, take a nice discount once again and resign for the Steelers, which seems unlikely. I mean, the guys probably deserve a good pay bonus at this point. He's a great story and he's a great guy and uh, he deserves some money and a chance to maybe get on to someone who's a real, real Super Bowl contender this year if he can. Okay, Carol, and looking into the next year and I'll open the floor up to to the rest of you guys for an answer on this as well, because the AFC North has now suddenly become probably the hardest uh, division in the conference to win with the Ravens, the Bears, and to another extent, the, the Bengals. You could see teams finishing any position. They could come first, they come come fourth, um, especially if, if Burrow can't come back uh, from his knee injury next year. So, it's a bit presumptuous because we still don't know the situation around the uh, obviously Big Ben and whether or not he's going to come back. But do you, what would you think is going to be 
a, a success you could say next year? Like, what, what would you be looking personally for the Steelers to do? So, yeah, I mean, it, it does depend on if you've got Ben back or not. But, like, Tomlin has dragged Benless teams to decent seasons previously. I mean, he's gone, what, 13 seasons in the NFL now without ever having a losing season. That is an insanely impressive record. Now, I mean, you can start asking questions about his um, equally dire playoff record at this point. I think that some legitimate questions do need to be asked about that. But, like, um, it's, it's hard to imagine a Tomlin coach Steelers team even playing a uh, first team uh, schedule as they will be in this upcoming year with the, uh, the variable games against the other division winners. I, it's hard to see them going worse than, say, seven and nine, really, and being in contention for a playoff spot down to the wire kind of thing. I and mean, that would be my, like, that would be my Mason Rudolph-led Steelers worth kind of prediction. I hope with Ben coming back, they can do a little bit better, even in such a tough division. The Steelers have just got such a huge issue with cap space at the minute, though. There's going to be a lot of cap casualties. And, and, I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily just waiting out Ben and hoping he says he's going to retire, even though he wants to come back. Um, or they're hoping that there's going to be a, a quarterback comes open that they can trade for or something. I personally don't see Ben coming back on the Steelers anyway because I don't think they want him back. I, like, he's very costly. He has injury issues. Um I just can he compete to to that level for for seventeen games now? That's a lot of questions there for me. If I was the GM, I would not have him back. Yeah, I think yeah. it's difficult. I think for the Steelers, it has to because you've leveraged so much on Roethlisberger for so long and not and kind of like pull the wool over your own eyes and not address that backup role or that future quarterback role. I there's a lot of pressure on you to make the playoffs. If you're saying, no, Ben Roethlisberger is still our guy. He's still where we're going to keep all the money and we're just going to ignore what's going to happen once he's gone. Then I think every year he comes back, you have to say, well, if he's coming back, you have to make the playoffs. Otherwise, why didn't you kind of move on? Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think I, I don't have a problem. Well, I wouldn't have a problem anyway if he came back and I came back. It's not my team. <laughs> it's it's Freddie's problem, not mine. But uh, if Roethlisberger does come back, I do think a lot of work has to be done to help establish that running game. And I think probably getting someone in the draft is going to be quite important. Um, like for as good as, as Connor can be, I feel he's kind of just, one dimensional he, he hasn't got that uh, breakneck speed to get away from defenders either he hasn't got the the silkiness you could say to sort of you know uh, get out of tackles he seems to be just a pure power runner and if the gap is there he'll run through it but if it's not he'll run into the back of the line in order to straight into the defender so I think that uh, getting a, a decent running back in 
is going to be really important for the Steelers because then it will help take the load off Roethlisberger. I'm going to have to cut right in front of you here because I've been through this. Eli Manning on the cusp of being in a grave, we decide we'll get Barkley in there. And what happens? We finish the exact same as we did the year before. (laughs) Like, there's no point in doing that. I've been there. Freddie, tell him. You don't need to invest so many resources into getting it. We can move on. We don't need... We don't need Ben Rutlesberger or Will Ferrell back in the uh, the league anymore. So he can go. He can go with the 2003 quarterbacks <laughs> into the sunset and they can all ride off together. From my perspective, yeah. I, I mean, running back is a big need, but I wouldn't address it too highly in the draft. I think if you can get the Steelers offensive lines running blocking last year was dire. And like Connor and Schnell didn't do very much outside of that anyway, but if you could get a bit better running blocking, they've replaced their um, line coach. I mean, ever since Mike Munchak left to go to Denver uh, a couple seasons ago, it's kind of been a bit downhill for the Steelers O-line. Um, this new guy, Adrian Clem, uh, promoted from within, but uh, apparently they, they like him a lot, uh, which doesn't necessarily say much. They, they promoted the last guy from within and also liked him a lot. But apparently uh, this guy will bring a new uh, power running style to the offensive line. Kevin Dotson, uh, the rookie guard, um, was highly graded by PFF. Um, he's going to take over at um, left guard uh, for Matt Styler, who will almost certainly leave in free agency. Uh, he's potentially a, a run upgrade, slight pass downgrade, but was very good, better than expected with passing. All that seems to mean that the offensive line could potentially maybe be a bit better at run blocking. And if you get a guy... So Connor's gone. So you have Schnell, who's very similar to Connor. Connor is a, like you said, a, a slower bruiser back. Um, not not got that, you know, fifth gear to, to get away. So you get someone else in who can maybe uh, add a, a complementary style. Steelers have always struggled with the idea of running multiple backs in the same game for some reason. Um, but maybe you can do something. Um, the Steelers. I, I completely agree with Jake. Like they've been linked with Najee Harris out of Alabama at the running back um, quite a lot in the draft, and I just I think that would be an utter waste of a first round pick at this point. Um, it I don't think it's going to help as much as something else would in the first round. There's so many holes that they're going to have, so many free agents leaving. Like, I know I agree. I, I agree, and I think. I, I wouldn't say when, when I say it needs to be addressed in the draft, I wouldn't think it's a first round pick because running back is that position where you can get a diamond in the fifth round. No problem at all. Who can um, do quite well for you. I think that it is, I think getting a more alignment in the first round is definitely more of a need for the Steelers than a running back. He can wait till the fourth or the fifth round, like I said, for a running back. I've checked a few of the, the mock drafts for the Steelers today and uh, I've seen a, a lot of offensive tackles being mocked to the Steelers. So maybe you might get your wish that the Ben Roethlisberger comes back or Mason Rudolph's on the field and he's got good protection and you get to the playoffs and then you lose because of uh, Mike Tomlin's uh, playoff prediction or playoff record. Um, but then at least then you'll have an offensive tackle for when you get a new quarterback in. So it wouldn't be all, all bad. Yeah, that would definitely help. Yeah. See, Jake, I don't, I, I, I can't believe you somehow 
gave a statement there where the glass was both half full and half empty at the exact same time. That's a skill I have. But that is that is definitely <laughs> a skill you have. You've been holding out on that now since we started this podcast. We need to see more. But look, I think uh, we'll call it there with, with our Steelers talk. Um, Freddie, thanks so much for coming on today. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again closer to the start of the season to see how free agency and the draft got on for the Steelers. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to be talking Vikings with uh, John uh, Arrigo. And welcome back to the Under Center podcast with myself, Darren Marr. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the Minnesota Vikings uh, and their offseason needs. And with me to do so is a Vikings fan, uh, John Arrigo. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. John, we're delighted. Yes, you are. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. John, we're delighted to have you on the show. How are you? Doing well. How are you out there in uh, Ireland? Ireland, yeah, yeah, we're doing okay. We're okay. Obviously, we're not facing the sort of snow battles that uh, the US has been ravaged by. Now, I know Texas gets all the news because Texas always gets all the news. It gets always, it's taking your your thunder up there. I believe uh, you said in New York State. Yes, uh, Southern Tier. Now, I'm only about 70 miles outside of Buffalo. Okay, okay. Uh, and you weren't tempted to become a, a Buffalo fan, no? Uh, I've been a Vikings fan for 45 years. So I, while I do have a soft spot in my heart for Buffalo, I do actually own some Bills gear. I will always be a Viking first and foremost. And that's why you obviously stick, stick, stick to what you love. Uh, even though maybe the Vikings might have, like we talked a little bit about earlier, they, they, they like to, they like to hurt, hurt you in a little bit, don't they? Oh, and they find all kinds of new and exciting ways to do it each and every year. <laughs> well, look, like I said, I, I'm a Seahawks fan. It's a love-hate relationship. They they love to make me miserable, and I hate that I keep going back. So <laughs> I think I think it's just the way, you know. We we got to keep believing next year is going to be our year, you know. And and especially because in the last few years, the Seahawks and the Vikings have seen to play each other every year, and it's going to happen again next season. So, you know, we we just we just love uh, sharing our pain together. Um, but we'll uh, we'll actually instead of looking forward, let's uh, start off by looking back. Um, tell me a little bit about how you felt as a Vikings season last year, obviously very quickly for people who may have forgotten seven and nine season missing out on a playoff spot to the bears. So like, what did you make? It seemed to me it was a bit of a transition year, especially on the defense that a lot of people go. So um, maybe seven and nine and and close to a playoff could have been good for this, uh, especially young uh, backfield. I think it was, it was a frustrating season and it wasn't just the Vikings, but football in general, because of the the situation going on with COVID, uh, no fans in the stands or limited fans in the stands. It was a very odd season. Uh, in terms of the Vikings themselves, they got off on a rough start because, again, they, they had two cornerbacks leave in uh, Rhodes and um, Trey Wayans. Now, I was not upset that they had left. I didn't think they were earning their contracts. But now you have to replace them with two rookies. Uh, and no training camp to get those rookies prepared. Then you lose Daniel Hunter for the season with a neck injury that we kept hearing was not a big deal until it was a big deal. And then Michael Pierce opting out before the season gets going, one of their key acquisitions in the offseason. That's four players done, and then Anthony Barr is gone. So they really did struggle on defense, and it was definitely injury-related. They were a mash unit for most of the season. Uh, the offense kind of cousins kind of sputtered early 
Uh, I think he tried to do too much. The interception totals were way high. But then he hit that break. Then they got their bye week. And when the rest of us were kind of wondering if we were just going to play out the string and there were Viking fans already starting the whole tank for Trevor thing, which I never like. I don't care for giving up on teams ever. Uh, But something clicked. And I don't know what it was, but Kirk started to just go out there and play hard and take a leadership role, which we hadn't seen him do since he's been in Minnesota. He's put up good numbers, but he hasn't really taken the team and made it his own. And we saw that he came out, uh, the game against Jacksonville, I think was his real breakout party where he kind of took the coaches aside and said, listen, I can pass on this team. Let me go. Let me do my thing here. Uh, he spoke up and he did, he led the team back from, you know, a rough game and, and they managed to win in overtime. So I did like some of the things I saw out of Kirk Cousins uh, as the season went along. Didn't like the way it started, but I really liked how it finished. Uh, Dalvin Cook, another guy, very talented. I did not want him to get the long-term contract. Uh, my fellow Viking fans know I am not big on paying running backs. I don't pay running backs. Uh, it's just the nature of the position. And Dalvin has a history of a little bit of injury history. But that said, he really went out and he earned that money this year. He played very well. He was the key piece to that offense. And then, you know, Justin Jefferson, who probably should have gotten the rookie of the year. You break records of a Hall of Famer. I think he should probably get rookie of the year. But even he could be better. And that's scary. He had a great season. And there are still things he can do better than he did this past year. So as a Vikings fan, 2020 was frustrating. But what I see for the future of this team gives me hope. They're going to get back a lot of these injured players. They have a good young core on offense. They're going to start moving. I, I, know, I hate to see uh, Kyle Rudolph go, but he may be gone. But then Irv Smith is there. And Irv, uh, he's kind of that new wave of tight end, uh, more of a pass receiver. If he can work on his blocking, I think he's going to be excellent. Ty Conklin, very good. Uh, and for a guy who just kind of was thrown out there, he's got a lot of growth to make, but he showed, you know, strides at the end of last season. So as a Viking fan, and I may have gone on a little too long here, but I, I didn't like 2020, but I do think, uh, with a good draft and maybe some good free agent signings, this could be a team that contends for a playoff spot this year. And they could surprise us all and make a deep run too. Yeah, sure. And, a few changes, uh, not only on the field, but in, in on the coaching side of things, because, of course, uh, offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak decided to uh, retire. Um, and his son, uh, Clint Kubiak, now takes over as offensive coordinator, who used to be the quarterback's coach. So this is the sixth OC, I believe, in six years. Is this the chance now that you have a young OC in chance to maybe just get some more consistency in offense? It's a chance. Now, the things we need are for Mike Zimmer to let him go. Mike Zimmer, I think he has a little too much influence on the offense. And I think that's why he hired uh, Gary Kubiak. Because Gary is kind of that old school, and I think he and Zim meshed a little bit. But I don't like that they meshed. I, I didn't see – this is a team that actually finished top five in a lot of categories in offense, and they were really vanilla and boring. They didn't do a lot on offense, nothing. They didn't make the best use of their talent, I don't think. 
I think it was a very vanilla offense, but because the talent was there, they put up some good numbers. I want to see more use of these wide receivers in the running game. You know, I want to see the pop pass, which every team who's, seems to have in their repertoire now, that little toss, little, you know, one foot toss in front of you pass. Vikings don't use that. They don't use jet sweeps. So hopefully Clint took what his dad had taught him and now he can make it kind of 2.1. You know, I, I take a, a work example. I worked with people who love that you know, ledger paper and pencils and they have a lot of knowledge. Well, I'm not a ledger paper and pencils guy. Give me your ledger paper and pencils and I'm going to put it into spreadsheets that I'm going to make work for me. I'm going to bring it into the 21st century. So hopefully Clint can take what his dad taught him and modernize it for this Vikings team because they do have a lot of weapons. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think what we have seen with those pop passes and jet sweep is, you know, a lot of coordinators and head coaches now coming from college and taking that with them. Um, so I think, yeah, like you're saying, it's, it's important to sort of maybe move with the times a little bit. And you can't, like that's the thing, you can only hope that, that, uh, Zimmer will give Kubiak the freedom to play to make the play calls that he wants and I think him being obviously the QB coach obviously got, lends itself to him wanting to maybe do more pass plays instead of more early down running plays and obviously nothing against Dalvin Cook who is a fantastic running back but teams can uh, load the box for the first two downs that you're going to run on and then being making you the force the pass six, seven yards in the third down, you know, makes things an awful lot more difficult. So with a QB coach now as OC, do you think that there is a greater chance that they might become more of a regular uh, passing team? I think we could see a better mix. I think we need to see a better mix pass run. Um, and yeah, that's a good point. Your quarterback's coach is not your offensive coordinator. It depends on what kind of relationship he has with Kirk. Bottom line, is his relationship with Kirk strong or is his relationship with Mike Zimmer strong? That's going to make the difference in terms of what kind of offense you get. And is he going to have the guts to speak up for himself as a coordinator? You know, is he going to be intimidated by his head coach or is he going to, you know, go to him and say, listen, coach, I respect you, but here's how we really should try to do things. That's what I'm going to see. We have to do better. We have to open things up. Let, let's uh, get that new modern, you know, Madden football type of offense out there for the Vikings and see what we can do with it. Yeah, and how do you feel uh, about Kirk Cousins as your QB? Are, are you uh, on the side of that he's good for the team or are you not totally sold on him? I have been on a roller coaster with Kirk Cousins from day one. I backed him hard when he got here. And then I went through a period where I thought I'm backing the wrong guy. Uh, then I saw the second part of last year and I said, you know what? I think I should go. I think I was right. I think Kirk Cousins could be the man here. Now he is not an elite quarterback. And that's what I keep hearing. We, well, we need an elite quarterback folks. If there's, if elite quarterbacks were out there in abundance, everybody would have one. There's a reason they're called elite. So only a handful of teams have that elite quarterback. Now you have to make do with a guy who's a solid pro, probably a top, he's top half of the league in terms of quarterbacks. He might even be top 10, close to top 10. You just have to build around him. 
it's the key position on the field. There's no question about it, but you can win Super Bowls without having that next level superstar quarterback. I mean, Brady is the only guy out there right now, and I hate to even mention his name. I call him Voldemort. He's not my favorite quarterback, but I get it. Uh, but he's that exception to the rule. I mean, seven rings for him. No one, there's not another quarterback out there like him. And, and it's and it's not so much the way he throws the ball or the way he gets out of the pocket because he's a pocket passer and he's got no mobility. There's just something about when he's on the field, he commands your attention and he makes his teammates better. And that's what I need Kirk Cousins to do. Not just put up numbers, but take a leadership role and make his teammates better. And I think he can do it. And he's going to have to, because like it or not, he's our quarterback. I don't think the Vikings are going to make everybody wants, you know, everybody wants Watson. He's not coming to Minnesota. He doesn't want to play in Minnesota. You're not going to draft the next big thing at quarterback because you don't draft in a high enough position to get one. And quite honestly, I don't think this is a great quarterback class. I think you have Lawrence, and then I think there's a pretty decent fall-off after that. That could be very wrong. Uh, I have been wrong in the past. I will be wrong again. But from what I see, there's not a quarterback in this draft that's going to make a big difference for the Vikings. And, no, you're not getting Deshaun Watson. So let's get Kirk and get the best we can out of him and surround him with talent that can help this team get to the next level. Uh, yeah, and I ask about Kirk because, like you mentioned, with, with Watson and with the draft class, that it, we are sort of on the cusp of probably the biggest quarterback market we've seen in an offseason. Um, and there's not, obviously, it's not just uh, the, the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo, there's still question marks, Sam Darnold, even, even Russell Wilson is, is letting a few, is sending some feelers out there. Is there any sort of quarterback where you could look at that has the potential that could potentially move that you would say, right, let's see if we can throw in a Kirk Cousins and a couple of ones and see if we can get them? Well, the for me, the only one would be Watson. He's the one out there of the guys that are being talked about and available that I would say, yeah, let's let's make a run at at Watson. He's still young. We've seen what he can do. Uh, he did come to Minnesota with a lot better talent. He just doesn't want to be there. Maybe we can change his mind. I don't know what it would take to change his mind. Uh, maybe if you can get JJ Watt to sign in Minnesota, maybe that would encourage Watson to come along. That's all pie in the sky. That's all video game trades that, you know, that's the only place you really see those made. Uh, but in terms of like Sam Darnold, I don't really want Sam Darnold. I think you'd have to give up far too much to get far too little in return for him. Uh, Cam Newton's a free agent, so you can offer him a low end deal and let him be your backup instead of Sean Mannion. Uh, I hear a lot of talk about the Vi some Viking fans want to bring Teddy Bridgewater back. I think that's a major step backwards. Uh, Teddy's a good man, and, but I don't think he's the quarterback for this team. I don't think he can get them to the next level. We saw what he did against the Vikings last year. He had a wide open receiver in the back of the end zone and he overthrew him badly in a spot where they could have put the Vikings away. And Kirk led the team to victory in that game. So I'm content. I'm happy with Kirk Cousins. I don't need to move up in the draft to draft a quarterback. And I really don't need to offer the farm to bring in a quarterback who might be marginally better. The only one out there again, Watson, if he waves his claws and he says, yeah, I'll go to Minnesota, then I would trade Cousins. That's the only guy I want. Okay. Well, let's take a little bit 
have a look at the uh, free free agents, I should say, that are coming up. And in what in the searches or the, the the research that I've done in the other teams that we've looked at, the Vikings aren't really in as bad a position with free agents as other teams. Some notable free agents is Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson, Chad Beebe, just to name a few. And with the franchise tag season now just after the beginning, any of those free agents, would you put the franchise tag on any of them? Or, uh, and also, which ones would you um, be happy to uh, re-sign? I don't, think I, I don't think any of them are worthy of a, a tag at this point. The ones that are out there, I like Wilson, but I would not tag Eric Wilson. He's a nice piece, but uh, he's not worth the top five salary. Ant Harris can... He, I'm more than content to let him test the open waters and see what he can get out there. Uh, he had a major step back last year. He's going to want too much money to stay. And I just don't think he's worth it. The guys you can keep again, Wilson, you can keep, I don't think he's going to be expensive. I look at smaller pieces. I think Amir Abdullah will be a nice guy to keep around. He's not going to be expensive. He's a veteran presence back there. You could put him out there on kicks and punts he's done that before and we're looking for a punt returner honestly i don't know why he hasn't done it yet but he's a good third down back uh, another guy i like uh, i like brett jones coming back just for some depth on the offensive line again he's not shouldn't be too expensive afadi adenabo i want adenabo back i think he uh he fits into this scheme and again he's going to be inexpensive you can, he's a rotational player, but he's going to be inexpensive. And that's what the Vikings have to look for right now because money-wise, they don't have a lot unless they start making some moves, uh, tough decisions like letting Kyle Rudolph go. And the last one I have on my list to bring back is Mike Boone. I really like Mike Boone. Uh, he's got an explosiveness to him. And again, he's only your, your third back most likely, but He's a really good guy to have on that roster. Again, he just, there's a different dimension to him. He brings some different skills to the table. So again, he adds some depth in the running game. Uh, we've seen him in spots have uh, flashes of brilliance. I, I Madison's clearly your number two and obviously cooks one, but Boone can really help out this team. So I would make an offer to keep him again. If he wants a lot of money, I don't know who's going to pay it to him. Somebody might, somebody might see him as a, a two or even a one, I think the Vikings can get him back at a relatively inexpensive price. So those are the only ones I really care about bringing back, right? Even uh, entertain bringing back. Okay. And is there any, if you notable cuts or players that you'd be looking to sort of maybe trade out the help uh, with, with cap space? You know, I personally would not want to see Kyle Rudolph go. That's a personal decision. From a financial standpoint, that's probably one of the guys you you look to move uh, to get some cap space. There's talk about Anthony Barr, but you might be able to restructure with him. So, uh, you know, Barr is not – he's not a bad linebacker. He's pretty darn good. So I wouldn't worry about moving him. It's not like you're going to go out and find a, a replacement that's of higher caliber for a lesser price. And that's really where the Vikings are. There's not a lot of guys you can move out there or guys you can cut that are going to give you a little you know, bang for your buck, so to speak, that are going to bring you in that cap space. The only other move you can make is try and find someone to take Cousins and, and maybe take some of that cap money off your back. But how low are you going to go with your quarterback? How long, you know, what kind of downgrade for the money are you going to make? 
I I hope and Rick Spielman has a plan. I don't. I wish I did. But Spielman's got to come up with something. Talk about hot seats. You know, we talked about this prior where Zimmer should be on the hot seat. I think Rick Spielman should be on the hot seat too. Uh, he has not built a team that has been consistently good either. And he gets a pass a lot for bringing in one or two really good names, but he hasn't really built a team that can go out there and win on a regular basis. Well, if it is that Spielman is uh, on the hot seat, what sort of moves do you think he should be making in free agency to help build the team? I think we've got to look to fill the, the cornerback spot with a veteran. He's been trying it through the draft. It really hasn't worked. Uh, you know, these two, the two kids he drafted last year have potential in Gladney and Dantzler, but I don't know. I don't trust them right now. I'd rather get a guy back there with a little veteran presence and they're going to need a, probably going to need a safety. Uh, I don't think Harris comes back and there are a couple of safeties I had on my list. Maybe look at, I, I don't know if you know, he's, they're probably gonna make it, but Justin Simmons uh, with Denver is kind of a guy I looked at. I have him on my radar. I don't know that they can get him. I don't know what it's going to take to get him, but he would be the guy I would say I could take him to replace Harris and be happy with it and the offensive line. And that's another thing that Rick Spielman has tried to draft into existence and he hasn't really managed to get it done. He's gotten a couple of decent ones. Brian O'Neill, I really like. He's very athletic. Uh, he's coming along well. Bradbury, I really like the pick, but he's kind of stagnant. He's not showing that improvement that I want to see. This is a big year for him. I need to see it out of him. So they might try and draft again to get the line, but I think they have to look in the free agent market. I really do. Uh, and I had a couple of names there that I'd like. like Joe Thune from the, the Patriots is really the top one. I think they should see what it's going to cost to bring him in. Uh, you know, you can draft. Sewell might be gone by the time the Vikings get there at 14. And I know Viking fans will not want to see them go with a guard with their first pick because they have no second rounders. So we don't – a lot of Viking fans want the big shiny things. You know, I say this all day. They want, they want the shiny car, but they don't want to pay for the insurance to protect it. And that's what we're getting at here. Where everybody, we need a, we need another receiver. Why do we need a third? Why? How high do you draft a third when you don't even throw to the two you have? Because your coach is a run-first coach. So there are not a lot of targets to go around as it is. And now you want to draft another. Oh, we got to get one of those kids from Alabama. Well, do you really have to? Can you? can you not draft a kid who's going to get frustrated because there aren't enough targets to go around, you know, maybe try and sign a veteran to be your third receiver who gets the Viking system, who understands that, yeah, you're going to be here and you probably won't get a lot of targets, but uh, you, you can serve a role for us. We can use you. It's going to be hard to draft a kid and tell him, you know, you're great. You have all these skills. And Oh, by the way, you might get 40 targets this year. That's not what he wants. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And I think there is so many veteran wide receivers that are going to be available either through free agency or teams cutting them. We've seen a lot of it happen already. Uh, I think it was just this week. I think Alshon Jeffrey was cut by the Eagles. You've got Tyrell Williams. Des Bryant is not returning to uh, the Ravens either. So, you know, uh, there's definitely so many options there. And I think those sort of players could be at a time in their career where maybe they're all right with making a little bit of money and then 
um, maybe only getting, like you're saying, those 40 targets in the season. And that's what you need. You need that mindset. The kids coming out, they want to, they want that flash. They want to be, you know, they, they want the big endorsement deals. They want to be the guy. And in Minnesota, especially with a, a second year player in Jefferson, you're not going to be the guy. It's going to be very hard to take that role. So I think it's going to take veterans to fill that wide receiver three spot. I don't think you draft one. And I almost see it as disrespectful to Adam Thielen to draft another receiver. Uh, I know he's over 30 now, but Adam Thielen is the epitome of what Minnesota means to me. You know, he, he came in, he walked on, he opened tryout, uh, he shined on special teams, worked his tail off, and now he's one of the premier wide receivers in the game. So he got there through hard work. He didn't get through through a hype, there through a hype machine. You know, he they didn't talk about nobody knew who this kid was when he came out of college. He earned his his right to be the number one receiver on this team. So I want to see more of that. I want to see the hardworking blue collar guys who get it done and and do it quietly. And Adam Thielen is a perfect example of that. Yeah, definitely. He's a, he, he definitely welcomed being wide receiver number one after. Uh, you traded away Stefan Diggs last season, and I think that will definitely continue into next season. But talking about next season, and uh, just quickly before I, I let you go, and we touched on it a little bit, Mike Zimmer uh, has an important season coming up because I know he there is no there's not a lot of talk about him being on the hot seat, but there's definitely going to be a bit of attention coming his way, uh, especially if they have a, a stumble uh, early. I think Mike Zimmer, and we talked about, for me, unless he makes the NFC Championship game, I don't, I don't think you bring him back. And I think, you know, it's probably setting my goals way too high. Some Viking fans will say, well, just make the playoffs. He's made the playoffs every other year. Like every other year, the Vikings make the playoffs. So to me, that doesn't cut it. Making it, they've beaten the Saints a couple of times in the playoffs, but he's got to advance his team to the next level or – there's no use. He, he's, he's getting up in age as well. And I think the Vikings may need somebody in there with a, a different mindset about how this team can succeed. Yeah. And I, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just, you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't want to come to Minnesota. He's, he said that well, there's a reason for that. And it's not because it's cold in Minnesota. You know, I don't think it has anything to do with the weather. I think it's the way the Vikings offenses run. You know, he, he Watson doesn't think that's that's not the offense he wants to be in. So Mike Zimmer needs to build an offense that guys want to play in, or else you're not going to get the big free agents to sign in Minnesota. You're you're just not. Yeah, and I think just from a, a casual sort of uh, point of view, there with with them, it seems as though they haven't really moved on from. 2017 and and sorry the, the miracle in Minneapolis and the you know the one game away from the Super Bowl because all the talk has been about the Eagles and how they never moved on from that year and basically like obviously Doug Peterson's gone Carson Wentz is now gone so they sort of they've never pushed on to try and become a dynasty but that as well with with the Vikings they sort of stagnated since since 2017 yeah they have I, I... They've had a three-year hangover from not even making the Super Bowl. Uh, 
because it worked then doesn't mean it's going to work now. I, there's a reason they didn't get to the Super Bowl. Things, things all fell in place for that season, and it was a magical season. You had a quarterback, a third-string quarterback out there whose career had been a middle of the road all the way, and he just came and he did amazing things for a short time in Minnesota. And as a Vikings fan, I'm thankful for Case Keenum's year. I'm also glad the Vikings didn't offer him a big contract to bring him back because I didn't think he could do it again. And then they went out and they said, well, we're a quarterback away from the title. And I think that kind of put a target on Kirk Cousins back, not to mention all the guaranteed money he got, but they didn't build anything around him. They, they said, all we need is a quarterback. And it, that wasn't the truth. All they needed was an offensive line to protect their quarterback. And they didn't get that done. You know, all they needed was consistency in the secondary and they didn't get that done. You know, Xavier Rhodes was good for a while, but his last two years in Minnesota, he wasn't very good. Trey Wayans, to me, never really got any better from the day he was drafted. Slightly, not he didn't improve to where he was a reliable cornerback. They had revolving door cornerbacks. The most reliable secondary guy they've had now is Harrison Smith. He continues to play at a high level. So those are, you know, they addressed one aspect of what wasn't working in Minnesota. They didn't go out and fix the team. They fixed, you know, they put a, a new tire on a car that needed a brand new engine, you know, a carburetor and sparks. And they didn't fix enough. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have faith that with Mike Zimmer in charge that they can, or do you think a whole new uh, head coach and GM partnership is going to be needed? I have to give him a chance. I have faith if he allows his other coaches to do their jobs and doesn't interfere. And that to me has been what's held him back. Three, not, you know, he's had six different coordinators. A couple have gone on to bigger and better things, but he seems to kind of dictate how they run their, their offense. And I, I don't care for that. He let them, do their thing. Let them do what they know. You want to step in and fix the defense a little bit, go ahead. That's what you know. But let the offensive guys do the job. And, yeah, Rick Spielman, to me, as I said earlier, I don't think he's built this built a champion. How long do you keep a guy who can't build a champion or build consistency? That's one thing this team sorely lacks is consistency. They are not year in and year out contending for titles. They are not year in and year out making the playoffs with this – regime it's time this is a big big year for those two guys in spielman and zimmer and if they don't advance to at least that nfc title game i don't think you keep them around yeah i i think we we've started to see a sort of change when it comes to uh, gm and head coach partnerships especially last season where you wouldn't necessarily normally see dismissals in the middle of the season but we saw like with the Lions and the Falcons just to name two that teams now seem to not be afraid to do clear outs in the middle of the year if they feel things just aren't working and I think that you know I think the whole draft setup kind of helps that too if you're going to get rid of them in the middle of the season and have a bad year that's okay we'll, we'll get better draft picks not the way I like to hear things done but it kind of makes it where, yeah, we get rid of them in the middle of the season. It's not a big deal. You know, if we aren't going anywhere anyway, we might as well really go into the tank. 
or maybe they do have a guy that that can spark the team. You know, in Atlanta, they did get a spark when they they didn't bring in a younger coach, but they got a spark when they made the changes. So it, it might be a new, like a, a radical new thing to let a coach go mid-season just to say, hey, you weren't sparking us. Maybe the next guy in can have a spark in him. Maybe he's out there to prove himself. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a very interesting trend. And yeah, I can definitely see it happening more and more. It's a win now mentality in the league now. And definitely, I think the 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 ways the teams used to be able to go, we're saying we have a two three year project here. I think is is gone out the window. I think fan bases have become impatient, probably for the most part. Where if they see another team succeed, they're looking at it and say, "Well, why not us?" Maybe it's sort of spilling into sort of on the player side as well. Maybe that's why QBs are sort of, maybe this is the season where QBs are moving because they're looking at, say, what Tom Brady did and the power he had at Tampa Bay and looking at their own situation in their team saying, why not me? I think it's an excellent point. I think it's an excellent point. Yeah, why not me? Uh, But again, we have to stop. I think we have to stop looking at Tom Brady because he's, he's a generational talent. And not again, I think he's a good quarterback. I think his leadership qualities are what really sets him apart. Not everybody can lead like Tom Brady did. Uh, I, I think too many people and too many fans think everybody can be Tom Brady or everybody can be Patrick Mahomes. And we even saw Patrick Mahomes was frustrated. So he's not invincible either. We just, it's a video game mentality to me. Everybody wants that video game superstar and you just can't get them. They're if they're superstars for a reason, because there aren't that many of them out there. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Well, listen, John, we're going to call it there. Thanks so much for taking the time out. Uh, I know it's uh, it's a busy day for you there and I'm sure you, you have a few uh, chores to do. I think it's a bit of snow is calling your name now. Indeed it is. Yeah. But uh, I had such a good time. I appreciate you accommodating me. I know it's very late over there. So I do appreciate you taking time out and, and talking to me at this late hour out in Ireland. It's no problem at all. It's, again, thank you. And I'm sure we'll probably talk again before the season starts to see how the draft and free agency went, and maybe to see how good of a position that uh, the Vikings are in for the f- uh, upcoming season. Anytime. I'd love to come back. And that's all the time we have for today on the podcast. A big thank you to our guests this week, Steelers fan, Freddie Dawson, and Vikings fan, John Arico. I'm really thankful to them for spending the time to talk to us today. Before we go, once again, if you haven't already, please, can you like this video and subscribe to the Dynamo Podcast Network? That's where you'll find our podcast each and every week. We're going to be continuing our series looking at all 32 sides and what their off-season needs are going to be going into next season and while you're at it make sure you follow us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash under center pod we're also at twitter instagram and tiktok at under center pod but that's all the time we have for this week make sure you tune in again next week where we'll be continuing our series looking at all 32 sides and their off-season needs but until then stay safe and we'll speak soon